Welcome to the Weld.com podcast. From welders to fabricators, pipe fitters, engineers, sculptors, hobbyists, and more. We know all of these various roles in the welding industry and how they connect. As the hub of the industry, we're going to bring in various guest hosts and professionals to the Weld.com community to share their knowledge and expertise. You subscribe to us on YouTube to watch us in action. And now on the Weld.com podcast, you can listen as we discuss various topics such as requests from our members, troubleshooting issues, career changes, starting your own business, and more. So let's get into this week's episode. Today, we're talking to Ben Arn and discussing the use of new technology and advice for anyone in the field. Ben, thanks for coming on our podcast today. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about how you got started in the industry and what you're up to now. Um, thanks, Jessica. I uh, appreciate being able to uh, come on weld.com and uh, add to the topics in the welding industry. Um, my career has been based in welding pretty much most of my life. My father was a welder, welding engineer, uh, actively heavily involved in uh, AWS committees. Um, so I was around it at a young age. He had a he had a Miller Bobcat generator, and I was out there six seven years old, stick welding on scrap steel. Um, worked worked with him. Went went to trailer shops with him. Worked on trailers. Uh, high school, I was doing some side welding jobs, building deer stands for local hunters. Uh, when college came around, um, I worked through college. Uh, I worked in um, steel mill rebuilds, you know, overlaying roles, running subwork equipment, um, flux core welding, chocks. Um, worked my way from welding into uh, project management and then into engineering. Got my um, bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. Uh, and then that's when I started my career towards manufacturing engineering and welding engineering. Uh, got a lot of experience at different companies working under welding engineers. Um, and different types of trades, different industries we did. I've been in uh, structural uh, bridge and building. I've been in ASME, you know, nuclear storage vessels, uh, feed water heaters, uh, pressure vessels. Um, been in uh, power gen, um, mainly in like uh, natural gas fired uh, components for the turbines. Uh, done some generator equipment, housings, and then oil and gas uh, fracking site equipment. Um, so very many different fabrication codes, different industries. Um, I've continued to work towards being on the engineering side, but I'm on floor support quite a bit. Um, I'm always looking to try to improve our, our welding processes for the companies I'm working for, trying to improve the welders, make their jobs easier, um, trying to use, utilize new technologies out there um, to increase quality, productivity, keep costs down, things like that. Uh, I've obtained my MBA, and so I tend to be on the more of the business management side, but welding is my passion, so I'm always involved with that on the floor. Uh, so I have a, where are you at right now? I'm at Warren Fabricating Machining in Hubbard, Ohio. Uh, I'm the uh, director of welding and certification. Uh, so I handle like writing and qualifying weld procedures, qualifying the welders, uh, doing floor studies, trying to increase welding efficiencies. Um, I review contract documents, review drawings, you know, I'll change weld symbols, change joint designs, things like that. Uh, 
when materials come in and project managers have questions, I'll review the materials and come up with a welding procedure that might be needed for it. Um, pretty much just anything that's involved with welding and on the quality side of welding, I'm involved with at the company. Okay. So you shared with me before that, you know, I know that from working with you previously, even that, you know, many years ago when I got started in the industry, I worked with you and I always saw you with the welders on the shop floor. So I know that you take, you know, pride in making sure that everybody is comfortable with what they're doing. And you shared with me now that you work with welders of all levels. So how do you support and encourage say someone that's new or somebody that you see is struggling with a certain process, how do you handle that? Okay. Yeah. Well, in the industry now, it's really, um, it's really tough because we, there's such a smaller supply of welders, right? And there's a big gap in um, the experience of the welder. So I have a lot of young welders coming in, taking weld tests, coming out of welding schools. Um, and unfortunately, though the welding school gives them a good base, it doesn't prepare them for the type of work that we are currently doing at Warren Fabricating. We do very heavy equipment, very thick steel, uh, large diameter, uh, mainly flex core wires, um, you know, four inch, five inch, six inch, up to eight inch steel, you know, welding 350 degrees, uh, preheats, 500 degree interpasses. Uh, so obviously school doesn't really set you up for that. So when these guys come in, you know, we give them the standard AWS weld tests, but they're running it with 1 16th wire or 5 64th wire, and they're not used to running those wires. So it, it is a struggle to um, get them up to speed quickly. Uh, if they're willing to, you know, get taught, you know, get the coaching, correct some issues and stuff like that, uh, that they might have in technique, um, you know, we, we work with them the best we can on that. Sometimes it's a struggle, you know, and you get thrown to the woods, uh, you know, the, the other issue being, you know, we really need second shift welders. So, and it's hard to put someone that's inexperienced on second shift. Um, but we work with them. We have our own little welding lab uh, training area. Uh, we do hands-on training as much as we can. Um, it's not like it used to be where you had apprenticeships where you could come in and slowly learn and work your way up. Uh, you know, costs of the job, hours and job competition, it, it makes it difficult to slowly bring someone along. So you really have to, to dive in. Um, but that's definitely, it's definitely doable. You know, it's, so don't let that scare you. You know, you have to be able to jump in there and do that. Um, keep trying until you find someone that's going to give you a shot. Sometimes, you know, people are looking for someone that's experienced or at least has some experience can come in and do it. You might struggle at first. I would say if there's any way you can get in somewhere, you know, sometimes the schools will let you go back in. Um, I know what we'll do for guys is, you know, if, if you are, are a good fit, but you're not quite there welding, we might bring you in as a laborer position or a support position, but then we'll give you all the opportunity, the plates, the wires, you know, some expertise, a guy will stay after whatever work and uh, on your own time, we'll give you plenty of training on that. Um, if we're not able to give it to you on the job. Um, but it's definitely a good field to get into. Uh, like I said, the supply is low, so that means wages are going up. Uh, there isn't as much competition in jobs. If you go on Indeed, if you go on um, all these uh, job application sites, there's people all over the place looking for welders, looking for welding engineers, looking for weld techs. You know, it, it's, they can't find the people that experience or the knowledge. Right. 
you're not the first person to say that actually we were talking to somebody earlier this week and they were talking about whenever they come out of welding school that they only know how to weld like in you know three different positions and then you know they are thrown to the wolves basically they come in and yeah you graduated school and you're ready for a job but as far as that's concerned and you being you know a welding engineer what type of welding do you find to be like the most difficult like for anybody really overall like is there a certain pr process or material that's like the most difficult to work with well if you're going to look at uh you know welds that are going to be difficult on any welder of any ability right and so obviously very skilled welders that have a lot of experience aren't going to look at a weld that might be super difficult but uh the surrounding environment on that weld that would put any kind of difficulty on the human body right uh, wear and tear um you know, trying to reach in positions, difficulty seeing, you know, when, uh, going back to the students that come out of school, they're welding six, seven inch long test plates. And then you put them on job where they're, you know, they need to make welds that are eight, nine feet long. And, and you're trying to get them to weld two feet, three feet long welds across their body instead of doing eight, eight inch welds with all these starts and stops because you, your, your quality suffers. You have a greater chance of, uh, um, having a weld defect plus every time you stop, you got chip slag or whatnot. Cause when I talk welding, we're, we're mainly flux core welding, you know, 90% of the welding we're doing is flux core. We have some suburbs and TIG, but we don't MIG weld on thick steel. We don't uh, TIG weld too often. We have, we TIG weld on some alloys, but the main things I would see in my industry as it's been for difficulty with welds is going to be the parts that we do are big, uh, they're thick, uh, we do some uh, car, mainly carbon steel, but you got to have low alloys, but all these things add up to highly restrained, crack-sensitive weld joints. So preheats have to be, uh, are critical. You know, they're a big deal. They're critical to maintain your preheats, your postheats. So now you're up on parts, you know, that, that are big. The part's big enough for you, you have to get up on it, you know. So you're up on top of a 350-degree part, um, trying to reach back in compartments, trying to reach around parts, um, you know, while you have all this heat on you. So you're having to wear protective gear to keep the heat off. Um, you know, we can use blankets and fans and whatnot, but again, you have to put enough layers on that will protect you. You're trying to reach out over something. You might not be able to put your hand right up underneath the gun. You're, you're having to put your arm out at an extension or, or using welding guns with 24 inch, 30 inch long necks on them. So it's difficulty seeing. So that takes a lot of uh, experience it takes a lot of muscle memory and dexterity that you have to build up right so those welds tend to be difficult you know we're doing a lot of structural work right now that you know that are going to be supporting buildings that are going to be supporting vehicles you know so it's an important industry that quality is is critical because if you have weld failures it can lead to injury and possibly death so trying to do these welds and maintain your quality while doing them productivity and, and, and you know, staying within costs can be difficult. Um, and people aren't necessarily uh, prepared for that. You know, young generations prepared to that. You know, our older guys, they're used to it, they can do it, but it, but it wears on them quicker. Um, you know, not every industry is like that, depends which part of the country you're in. Um, but up here, you know, in uh, the northern part of the, of the country, we're building a lot of uh, bridge girders, you know, power gen stuff that these special alloys and things that just require this type of work, you know, you get into uh, CVN, you know, uh, fracture critical um, 
welds where now you can't just put a hogging big weld in and you're doing a bunch of small stringer beads um, or you're having to keep the settings down lower, which means you're subjected to that area longer than what you would like to be. Or um, it just takes longer to do that well to make sure you're maintaining the proper heat input so you're not weakening the mechanical properties of the steel. And it, it, it takes knowledge, it takes skill, uh, it takes patience, um, but you gotta do it with speed, right? So it's, uh, it's challenging. Yeah, it sounds like it. Whenever um, we talked before about technology and, you know, we put out even a video on weld.com using a GoCo piece of machinery and we were showing, you know, what the machine does and we had a lot of feedback, you know, that welders feel, you know, sometimes threatened by that kind of technology. I wanted to touch on that and talk about, you know, why it's so important to stay current with new technology and exactly how your company is, you know, staying up to date with that. Like, what are you guys doing specifically to stay informed and up to date on that and how you feel about that? Okay. Yeah. Uh, from when we work together and, um, from all my past experiences at other companies, I've always tried to embrace technology and automation as much as possible. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of the work I've done has been in job shop type ability. So you're not talking automation when you're talking uh, robots and um, you know high processed parts. You're, these are one-off jobs, two-off jobs that are big that um, you know are going to have fit up alignment issues that are going to be mechanically beveled and back gouged and arced and everything where you're not going to have the accurate repeatability to, to throw a robot or anything on there. You know, they're too big to put in a robotic cell, right? But that doesn't mean you can't embrace newer technologies to try to increase your efficiency and your uh, quality, which ultimately goes to your productivity, right? So the big thing with, you know, American fabricators, you know, and, and, and my industry, my experience being large fabrications, you know, there is a globalization of a lot of the product, right? So a lot of the product can be built overseas. So now you're fighting, you know, the labor aspect of it. The welding technology can be embraced anywhere. I mean, China, you know, Europe, Africa, they can all use the same welding technology that we have here in the States. You know, a lot of the, the, the main technology people are international. So they can buy that. So now they can run the same technology and the same knowledge, but their labor force is um, greatly cheaper than ours. Mm -hmm. uh, so it puts us at a disadvantage. So companies need to look at trying to create a competitive advantage to um, short and to close that gap where we're fighting against an hourly rate, we're fighting against the cost that we can't in the United States meet you know, because of quality of life and how, and how everything is. It's, it's the way it is. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing that we have higher wages and stuff, um, but it puts us at a disadvantage when you're looking globally. Mm -hmm. So, because in the end, we can charge more for our product, um, but the end users, the customers, don't necessarily want to pay it, right? So we're building equipment that's generating power. Who wants to pay more on our electric bill? We're building equipment that's uh, mining ores and stuff, who wants to pay more for all the products that that might be. So it's, it, is, it is a problem you have to fight. So in order to do that, you embrace technology. And I try to use as much um, welding bugs as I can to take the gun out of the guy's hand 
the gun, the, the machines are consistent, um, easily repeatable and trainable on how to do. Uh, but the key there is that you need a welder to run it. It doesn't, it doesn't just set up and run itself. You still need a welder to do it. You need someone that knows what he's doing. You still have to set the proper gun angles. You still have to set the proper machine settings. Um, you still see, need someone to watch the weld. The machines don't run perfect every time, but one of the machines do is they run consistent and they don't get tired. So they can run consistent at six in the morning, 4 p.m. in the afternoon, you know? And one of the big things I'm on there is, my big thing on welders is that you're paid to weld, right? You're making the money when you are creating an arc, when you are putting down weld metal. Mm -hmm. And what people really don't realize is in an industry, you know, most arc efficiencies are in the 10 to 20%, right? So for every 60 minutes, you might only weld six to 12 minutes in that 60 minutes on average over the course of the day. And there's so many things that go into it, whether you've got to grind, whether you've got to fit up, whether you've got to preheat, you know, whether you've got to stop and ship your slag, you know, minus, you know, taking breaks and lunch and stuff like that. But it, this all adds up. So when you go home at the end of the day, only 20% of your time was actually welding. You know, that's, that's industry standard, but you need to increase that. That's where weld efficiency comes in. And by using equipment, if I can take the wear and tear off the guy. If I can eliminate the barriers that he has in place, you know, do we have a supervisor come in an hour and a half before the welder gets there to put heat on part? You know, do we make sure that every welding machine is in optimal running condition, that the wires near the machines, that the tips of consumables are there? You know, does the, does the guy have a plan when he comes in, he's already being known what needs to be going on and he's not walking around looking for stuff. Uh, does management have a process plan in place to make sure that we're doing the least amount of flips? We have the parts where we need for the fitters, you know, all that stuff in place. Those are all barriers to the welder. Every time he's not pulling that trigger, every time he's not making an arc, he isn't making you the money that, he's, that you're hoping that he's making. you. So by embracing new technologies, preheat, using induction heating systems, Warren Fab, we just bought four. I used one in my previous company. I've read up a lot. Induction heating is one of the best ways to heat a part moving forward in the future over using natural gas or even resistance heating. They're, they're, they're quick setup. They're very efficient. You can preheat with them. You can post heat with them. You can do ramp cycles, stress relief. There's so many things you can do with induction heating and the overall operating cost is cheaper than if you're constantly going to use a finite resource like natural gas, right? It's safer. The machines can shut themselves off when they have an error. They can control their heats. They won't overheat parts. The cables themselves, the actual machines themselves, and the heating cables do not get hot. It uses, it uses induction technology, which actually excites atoms in the metal, and the metal heats itself similar to like putting something in a microwave, right? It actually heats subsurface and then transfers throughout the part. Um, so that's, that's a way to keep parts hot 24-7, even if the shop shut down, because the part will not get too hot, and if something goes wrong, it can actually shut down and not... It's not like you're leaving open flame on all night. You don't have open flame around guys. You don't have things that can explode. Um, we've purchased, uh, we actually just went, we went and bought new uh, Lincoln FlexTech 650s with po dual power feed feeders, right? So inverter technology, they use less power. Uh, drawing, sitting there idling versus the old um, uh, Lincoln, the ideal arcs and the dimensions from Miller. Um, they have quicker uh, response times on the arc, smoother arcs, uh, better feeding systems. Um, I'm utilizing dual feeders, whereas all the old machines in here that are, that are older, 
are all single feeders. Having a dual feeder, I can have one flat horizontal, bigger size wire on one side. I can have a 116 wire on the other. You know, embracing that type of technology. So now a guy, if he needs to switch positions or he needs to switch to a different wire, so I said, well, all he's gonna do is grab a gun. He doesn't have to change the wire out or stuff like that. And again, the welding bugs um, on a certain job we're doing right now, I have, a, I have an eight inch plate that gets welded. I got a four inch plate next to it that's 20 inches over, about 18 inches over, and then I have another eight inch plate. These plates are 36 inches in, in width. And I got to weld uh, a two inch PJP at the bottom of these plus a, a one inch fillet cap, right? And the way our guys weld it is they have to reach over that eight inch plate and reach down in there and do these welds using mirrors because they can't lay down in there and do this well. Okay, and then it's, we got heat coming up, it's 350. It wears on their back. We, we purchased a steel max, um, a little, little bugs that will actually fit down in there and design the handle of 500 degree heat. We'll fit down in there. We attach a mirror to the gun. And then we start, when we start to travel, the weld starts, the welder can reach down in there. It's got little cross slides up and down in and out. He can make his little adjustments. And then he sits there and just watches it as it drives across. The welder still has to get down in there. He still has to cut the wire. It, you know, it doesn't tie off perfectly at the end. So we still have to do some work at the end. The welder is needed. The welder is completely control of that. The only difference is he's not holding the gun. He's not down in the heat. He's not bent over wearing out his lower back. Yeah. So, and the goal of that being is we still need him, but he's able to put more wire down over a 10 hour. And some of these guys have been working 12 hour shifts. They're able to put more wire down because they're not being worn out from being from sweating, from being on a 350 degrees, from bending over on their back so much. And that's the goal of utilizing equipment is to increase the efficiency. You increase efficiency, you're able to lower your cost. You increase efficiency, you start making more money. You make more money on companies that do bonus programs that do stuff like that. This company does a bonus program. We're able to pay bigger bonuses, right? As, as the demand's going up for skilled labor, that's not there, so costs going up. But now you're able to afford that without raising your prices because you were being more efficient in the welding process. So the important thing is to embrace the technology, not to replace the operator, not to replace the welder, but to make the welder more efficient. Yeah. And it's important The technology is constantly changing. You know, people think of a welding robot, they think of this big robot inside of a caged area that's swinging around doing welds. It's not the case anymore. Welding cobots, cobot welding systems, 40 pound robot arms that you can pick up and carry to the workplace. Right now they have them on tables that can roll around. But these are cobots, right? You can grab the gun, trace your weld, you pick up a pendant, you put a couple commands in and boom, it can sit there, weld a joint, it'll weld a circle, it'll weld a box, it'll weld whatever you want, right? With very little uh, user input. It's there, they got torque limiting safety sensors on there now. You put your finger against it, it stops it. It's not gonna come over and knock you halfway across the room. Now you don't need cages. So now you can have a robot welding arm anywhere. And I'm telling you, in a couple of years, these things are gonna be able to be, they'll be on a magnetic basis. You can stick up. I got these guys welding down in these, these tight areas, but I'll be able to take that robot arm, stick it up on the steel with a magnet and have the arm doing it. And I don't need a bug down in there anymore. So it, it's, it's, it's approaching that. And it's important to realize that that's the way technology is going because as labor rates go up, as medical costs, as overhead, as everything goes up, okay, that's, that's great for the guys. I want the guys to maximize their income potential. I want to maximize my income potential. I'm not going to fight anybody who wants to do that. You always got to better yourself. But there becomes a tipping point where automation becomes 
the better cost option for a company than constantly rising wages, right? So companies will start looking closer and closer and closer on how to automate things to combat those wages. Now, in our current market, that doesn't mean a guy's replaced because there's not enough guys. There really isn't. Um, it's all about what a guy wants to do. And I do have pushback from some of my guys have been welding for 30, 40 years. You know, they're getting closer to retirement. They're like, ah, I don't want to do that. I can do it. But they come around when they start seeing it. I get some other guys will run it. They see they're not working as hard, but yet they're putting down just as much wire, maybe more. You know, they start, they start coming around. Uh, I've had a lot of good reception here uh, at Warren Fabricating with the guys, you know. So, um, like I said, my goal is to make the welder's job easier, remove his barriers so that he can do what he's good at doing. I want him to weld. I want to see blue lights across the shop. I want to see that, those spools flying, right? Because that's where the money's made here. And whether, no matter the barrier, I mean, most of the time I go down there, you know, 85, 90% of the time, if there's a guy not welding, it's because there's something keeping him from welding, not because he doesn't want to weld. So it's important to do that. And that's technology comes into that too. Well, data monitoring systems are going to be coming out. You know, they're, they're out, but they're going to be utilized more because the more data you can collect and analyze, you can start seeing where areas need to be addressed. You know, they can, they can monitor quality. They can also monitor, hey, we're not getting the output we want here. Why is that? You can go down and investigate, you know, real time versus catching it a week or two later when the job's behind schedule and over hours. So companies are going to have to brace embrace that because they have to to stay competitive in the market keep work coming in keep people employed that's totally understandable did you you remember whenever we talked that we also talked about apprenticeships and how those are lacking like people really aren't doing that so much anymore in our industry and there are you know i know that there are a lot of kids that are graduating high school or that they might be considered considering entering the welding field and since like there's not a lot of apprenticeships available, how, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's considering entering the welding trade? Like, would you say like to just go to like a tech school and, and do that and then find a job wherever you can and then just use it like as a platform to use as like a step, stepping stone to move forward? Or like, what is your advice to somebody who's considering entering the trade? I would say that it's, you need to continue to try to improve yourself. So if you have an opportunity to go somewhere, it might not be exactly what you want to do. Um, it's not a bad idea to go in there and learn to do that, right? Broaden your skill. Um, one thing I think that all water should do is to learn more about welding outside of it. I, I love, I'm a math science guy. I am passionate about welding, you know, I love to see welds put down, you know, I love to see a job get completed, but I always want to know why and how, and I'm constantly always pushing to be better at something. I want to see how can we do this better? That's how I became a welding engineer on the side of the management side and, and, and the pre-planning side is understanding the metallurgical, what happens, understanding how heat input amps, volts, travel speed affect the mechanical properties of weld. You guys have a great video on weld.com that explains What's the difference between stringers and weed beads and the mechanical properties that happen, especially when it comes to crit fracture critical things. That's, that's the stuff that you can learn yourself. You watch the videos on weld.com. I watch videos before I ever had an opportunity to talk to you on weld.com. I watch other videos. I constantly 
read stuff on the Lincoln website. I read Miller. I highly recommend you go and talk to people in the industry, you know, whether that's your local rep, you know, a local rep at your, at your supply, your product supply store, like a Praxair, an Airgas, uh, an Alley Auction, whatever, whatever's in your area, those reps, they may know a lot about it. They may not, you know, some reps are going to know more about one another, but they're going to have a vast group of people you can talk to. Get, get into your local AWS uh, district memberships if you have one in your area. Go on the AWS website, you can ask questions. Read about people's questions and just learn, right? That's just gonna give you better opportunity to understand how something happens when it arrives on you. When you have an opportunity to go out and weld on a job, take it. If you have an opportunity at your school to go back and practice, ask them, is there any opportunity to try a different wire size or try a different plate size. You know, Warren Fabricating is very good at the local schools around here to give them a uh, thicker plate, to give them larger wires so that the students have an opportunity to, to practice running with those, right? We don't have, we are very busy right now, fortunately, um, but we are also understaffed. So it makes it difficult for us to pull somebody in and invest a lot of time and money right now on them to, to get them up to speed. But we do offer the opportunity on their own time if they want to come in the door. Maybe they don't come in direct as a welder. That's one avenue to come in here is to come in here as a uh, uh, fitter helper or come in as a general laborer. But then if you have the drive and passion and you want to learn, we provide the equipment, we provide the plates, we provide wire, and there's plenty of guys that will give you an hour of their time afterwards. I've done it to help um, teach you how to get up to speed on the larger wires, right? And then it's just going to come through experience. Right. You know, it, it does depend on what you want to do. If you want to graduate school and go out on a pipeline, then you're going to have to try to work your way towards a company that does pipeline work. I do heavy fabrication. We've done pipeline in the past, right? But they're not the, they're, they're not the same. There's, it's a different skill set, right? Um, you're going to run different wire sizes. You're going to deal with different preheats and fit ups a lot. The fit up is very important on, on pipe work, right? So, uh, a lot of pipes that are spools that are going to be bolted out in the field. You got to hold those. You can't, you can't be off more than eighth here or there or, or nothing lines up and they're cutting pipes out apart. So it's, it's, it's a different field than structural where we got more tolerance. We've got more leeway, you know, form fit function. And, hey, this plate's a quarter inch out. doesn't matter. doesn't interfere with anything. You know, the design engineer, and I'll leave it alone. It's fine. Well, it doesn't work too much well in other industries, right? So especially machinery class, power gen work, stuff like that. Stuff's got to be in the right spot. So you have to think about what you want to do, but I will say if you have an opportunity to go somewhere and learn anything about it to get some hours out of the hood, then that's you definitely should, should take up on that. So are you guys hiring there? Cause I've heard you say a couple of times you're very understaffed. Yes, we are constantly advertising. There's, there's quite a few companies around the Youngstown, Ohio area that are looking, that are looking for, for welders. You know, um, there's, there is oil and gas work around here. So 6G pipe welders are in high demand. Um, you know, we need welders. We're, we were under strict deadlines for shipping. Um, we were trying to we were trying to staff three shifts. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't. So we were we were working twelves from November of twenty twenty through February. We were working seven twelves. I mean, guys were working seven days a week, twelve hours a day. I mean, it burned them out. You know, that's not what we wanted to do. But we didn't have a choice because we cannot find individuals to come in. And we had plenty of people apply, but they weren't able to come in and do the heavy fab work, right? We did hire some young kids. We, we worked with them the best we could. Uh, you know, we, we picked up a couple that had been great asses. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're kicking butt down there on the floor. And then we had some others that just, they weren't able to, 
able to pick up fast enough. And unfortunately, we just didn't have the time or the effort to, to do it. And I, I say that I, I feel bad about it, you know, because I believe anybody, if they have the passion and the will to do it, they're going to become a good welder. It, 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 welding really does take, um, if you have the fundamentals and the understanding of how to read that puddle, the more experience you get, the more hours under the hood, the, just the better you're going to get at it, right? So it's unfortunate that, you know, we just weren't able to, to do that with them, right? So, but in this area, yeah, there's a lot of people uh, looking for welders. Um, but again, they're in the same boat, you know, it, you need someone that can come in. Yeah, you'll invest some time and money in them, but you need them to get up to speed very quickly because uh, you just don't have the time and the money available to, to bring them along slowly. Um, then also depends what people are looking for too. You know, you go to different markets, you're getting different wage, wage areas. Youngstown, Ohio tends to be a depressed market. You might look at the wages they're offering around here and, and kind of laugh. But when you look at the cost of living compared to other places that offer more money, um, it's actually very competitive. So you got to look at that too. You know, it, it's, it, when you look, say, oh, you know what, I, I got to go here. It's, it's a few more dollars less, but hey, look, you know, the, the, the rent's $200 less a month and the utilities are another $150 less a month and food's less and travel's less. And it's just everything, you know, you got to look at all that into account when you, if you're leaving an area that's depressed into another area where there's job opportunities. So I would say be diligent in that, but anything that you can do to get more hours. And, and if you have the ability to sit down research and study, you know, I didn't go to a college to get a welding engineering degree. I just, I picked up every book. I picked people's brains. You know, I know plenty of people on the AWS committees that are in AWS. I know there a lot of guys, I guys have worked for Esau, guys work Lincoln, guys work Slick. I know a lot of individuals and I pick their brain and I'm always learning. I don't know everything about welding. You might put me, you're going to put me in automotive. I'm not going to be able to help you at all. Yeah. Right. I'm happy fab. I'm, you know, and even when it comes to oil and gas, yeah, I've done oil and gas, but you're going to go stick me out in an oil field, you know, doing actual well. Yeah. I'm not going to be your best bet. There's somebody that's going to know more about it than I am. It's going to be a better fit, but I will, if you ask me a question, I will go and do my best to find an answer because I'm curious too. I want to know. You're always trying to improve. I'm constantly improving. I'm hitting 40 years old. I've been around welding now 34 years, but I'm, I'm still kind of trying to improve my, my welding knowledge and, and everything like that. So, and that's what you could do. That's awesome. We actually launched our new weld.com website about a week and a half, two weeks ago. And I have a forum in there actually, whenever you join to be a member that there's a job board and I've been featuring companies that are hiring and it's a free service. Like I know that a lot of companies have to pay a headhunter to find, you know, employees and stuff like that, but I can definitely put a post up for you guys. Um, that you're hiring welders, if you just, um, you can email me and let me know where they should send their resume to. Um, I'm not sure if you have anything to do with the hiring process, but I would love to do that for you guys to help you find, you know, more welders. Because we have people all the time that are saying, you know, that they can't find a job. And especially if you guys are open to hiring women, I'm a part of a, a group on Facebook that has about 6,000 women welders and they're constantly telling me that they can't find an opportunity. People won't even interview them. And, and I know that you're a woman owned business. So I'm sure that you you, owner owner. of your company would love that. Oh yeah, no, we will. Uh, we don't, we don't discriminate. I mean, I will say that uh, I've worked with women welders and they have some of the best dexterity I've seen. They're some of the best TIG welders I've seen uh, weld. Um, that's not to say that they're not weld anything else. I mean, you can weld anything. Anybody can weld anything really. I mean, they weld plastics, you weld 
little kind of stuff. So um, it's not common to see in this area, but I've seen them in his trade schools. I've gone to the schools, um, whether I was speaking or going in and helping, you know, donating stuff, donating time. Um, yeah, there are women welders out there. Um, I've, I've had a couple, I've worked with a couple. I worked with one at Holtec. I've worked with uh, two of Bradley's Industries. Um, I haven't worked with one here at Warren Fab yet, but uh, uh, definitely uh, we, we, we don't, if you can weld, that's, that's what we're looking for. We don't care, you know, create shape, size, that doesn't matter, you know. Awesome. All right. Well, yeah, just let me know where they can send their resumes to. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and to be on this podcast. And I look forward to working with you in the future. You know, I'm happy to have you as a technical advisor to us and we'll see what else we can do together. Thanks for listening to this episode from our weld.com podcast. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube for weekly videos. You can also join as a member on weld.com and join forums, ask technical questions, and help others in the community. Now, let's go weld it out.